Hello, this is Michelle Weston with Wellness Learning Curves 2.0. It's great to be on the radio with you again and talking about another subject of how to handle and make lifestyle shifts and behavior changes with a chronic condition. Today, I have two of my favorite people. They are from the International MS Practice, and it's here in New York City. And I have Yadira Lamaza, the Director of Social Work, and also Dr. Ganem Bates, the naturopath there, the Chief of Naturopathy, which is something that was added a number of years ago because all of us were grumbling. Those of us with MS were grumbling and saying, we need someone to help us with nutrition. We need somebody who can help us with vitamins and supplements and all those questions that we ask the neurologists, the multiple sclerosis neurologists that they couldn't answer. Now they become much wiser and we appreciate all of us who have been pushing for more integrative skills for us and using things that are not just in the box of medicine and pushing out. Uh, doctor, uh, I'm not going to say doctor, I'm going to say uh, Yadira, I've known for a longer time than Dr. Bates. She actually transitioned and was in the new space at the um, international MS practice. Oh, gosh, I don't know, ladies. How how many years was it? That was 2006, right? 2000, 2006. So we moved 2006, and now it's 2023. So they have been part of my journey with a chronic condition like MS, which is MS, one of my chronic conditions, and have been hugely helpful in pushing me forward and keeping me well, and also making sure that I thought about things that as a patient, I had the responsibility for. And you've heard me say that before, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening, that it's important to own your body and to take ownership of a chronic condition because it's chronic and it will be with you the rest of your life. Yes, yes, it can go into remission. Yes, there can be no symptoms for a long time. And that has been a lot of my journey, which I've been, knock on one, very fortunate to experience. But I couldn't experience it if I wasn't willing to take on the responsibility of finding people to help me with my nutrition and finding people to talk to. And Yadira runs groups at the MS Center because people need to talk, especially, especially at the beginning, because it's scary. And anyone with a chronic condition knows that. It's that beginning phase of what happened to my life? What will happen to my life? What will my life look like? And on that note, Yadira, what will life look like for many who start as, as you laugh about this? Because we talked about this before. So I will tell you guys a funny thing. Um, I always insist that we do this um, face-to-face on Zoom, even though it's audio, even though you don't see us. I like the person I'm interviewing or the people I'm interviewing to see me. This morning when I turned on my Zoom, you know, it's all about technology and you've heard about AI. So I think the robots are taking over because I was flipped. So they get to see a um, JPEG of me and thank goodness we can laugh about it and say they know me well, but at least they can see me. Um, 
So things happen all the time. And Yadira, what happens first when someone is diagnosed with a chronic condition like multiple sclerosis today? Well, today, you know, I've been I've been here almost 18 years and I've seen MS change a lot. Um, definitely in regards to treatment, you know, a lot of things are a lot better now, but uh, it's still the same. You know, whenever I have a patient, a new patient in front of me, um, like you said, they're scared. They're worried about the future. They're, they're taking control by, you know, seeing a great doctor, you know, seeing a physical therapist, seeing Dr. Bates, but overall they're, they're scared. They're scared about what's going to happen to me 10 years from now. Am I going to be able to have a family? Am I going to be able to keep my job? So those are things that are on every new patient's mind. Um, when I see them, those are the same, you know, the same questions they ask, um, are repetitive for me. Like, you know, what's going to happen to me, Adira? What's, um, am I going to be okay? What's going to happen when I have a relapse? Am I going to meet uh, a person, a special person in my life? Um, and those are things that we we talk about. And and I think for them, it's it's just nice to bring it up in a safe space and be able to just talk about it. Because sometimes when you bring this up to a doctor, you know, the doctor's there to help you remain the same and, and keep you, you know, stable. But I think there's a lot of feelings around it. And I think that's a lot of the stuff that we talk about when you're a new patient. I agree. I, you know, I didn't have you at the beginning. Um, and many people across the country and around the world who have MS um, don't. They, they, they get frozen in time from it. And it's like, what just happened to my life? I mean, what, what just happened to my life? And I was diagnosed in my 30s. And I came back from a big book tour and had success as a founding fashion and style director and was very, 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 very busy running around. And suddenly I got struck with extreme fatigue and um, I had numbness and I had a numbness under my eye. It started underneath my eye. I had numbness. And then I had numbness in my feet. And we thought, oh, in my lower back, it was sciatica. And I was much bigger then. So I was 140 pounds bigger. Um, no, I did not lose weight. Anybody listening, I did not lose weight because of MS. I lost weight for MS. Okay. So let me explain what that means. That means that I worked with women size 12 and up for many years. I was in magazines and, and fashion houses. And what I found was I had drop foot at the beginning. So my right foot didn't lift up the same way that my left foot did. And that meant there was a chance of tripping. And there was a lot of imbalance in me at the beginning. I even got an optic neuritis, which is frightening because your eye fractions, sometimes it's both eyes, but I just had one and you can't see. I couldn't use the keyboard because my hands couldn't work and um, like they did. And you're just so tired. They thought, my, my uh, trainer thought it was uh, sciatica. I just said it was sciatica from traveling around to 10 cities. And I was actually diagnosed in a weird way, sort of given a question mark of a diagnosis by my physical therapist, my PT person that I was sent by my trainer to see. And I called him one morning. I said, I know, you know, it was numb in my back, but today it's numb all around my midsection. And he's like, come in, come on in. And I came in and he 
sat with me and worked with me. And he said to me, after working on me for a while, I could work on you for hours. And I don't think this feeling is going to go away. Michelle, I don't mean to scare you. And we were like relatively new to each other, just a couple months. He said, Michelle, I think you have MS. And I need you. And by the way, say MS to me, like then what's MS? I didn't even know what that was. I didn't think about neurological conditions. I did not. Why would I think about that? That wasn't on my track. I never had it in my family. Nobody had any of that. We were all about high cholesterol and heart things. That's what we were about. And so I saw a neurologist and I was diagnosed. I was diagnosed, but I was poorly explained my diagnosis. Let's put it that way. Um, Some of you may hear this, and I want to be able to to help you about this conversation. Sometimes neurologists say, and I don't think they do it. I I think she was brilliant, but I think she wanted to not scare me, yet she scared me more saying to me, well, you you have a demyelinating disease. Okay, well, I don't work in medicine, so what does demyelinating disease mean to a 30-something? Hello. And you know, and I'm a doctor's daughter and I still look at her curiously. And then she sort of at the end of the meetings that are, you know, meeting to talk about the MRI, explaining myelin to me that, you know, it myelin is around your, I always say myelin is like the coating on your stereo wires. So it protects the wires and myelin protects the nervous system and all the nerves. And she said, some people may say that you have MS, but we're not sure. We know that you have a demyelinating condition. And we may put you on Compaxin first to see if we can help. Um, I'm not a good one to sort of like pat me on the head and make me feel better. It's better that you shoot straight with me. And everybody's different. So I went and found someone through a friend who was in ER at Columbia University. And I did say very, very clearly to my friend, Robert, who was director of ER, I said, find me the toughest badass in neurology out there. I need someone who will fight the fight with me because I think I'm going to be with this for a while and it's going to change my life. And he did. And so Dr. Sadiq and his team, because he now has a number of doctors. How many are there? There are four? There are three. Three. There are three, four, including him. And one in training. And one in training. So that's five, which is a wonderful thing. And every one of them is special. They really are. But I knew Dr. Sadiq because he started the practice. He was the one there first. Uh, Dr. Williams was there with him. He was in training in that office. And um, what's important about that is you need a person who matches your personality. And Dr. Sadiq and I are a lot alike. We're very tough cookies. and We shoot straight from the hip, but we also have a great deal of empath. We are very empathic people. We are very concerned. Um, We want to know the answers to things. We believe we can help people. I can now help others, not just myself. And that's been my journey. Um, I don't have optometritis. Uh, I haven't had an episode for that in at least 18 years, long time. Um, I did lose weight because I was tripping and being a big girl. Um, it wasn't about me feeling bad about me. It was about I could, and here's the ownership of your body. I said to myself one day, this is crazy. I could help take pressure off of areas of my body with MS that are affected, like incontinence, like having bowel and bladder issues, um, 
tripping and not being able to lift my right uh, leg, my right foot to to uh, work as well as my left foot did. So I took that on. And my doctor said to me, you know, this isn't going to make MS go away. And I sort of just laughed at him. And I said, yes, I know. I'm well aware that that chronic condition will not be disappearing right now, but I could make it easier on my body. And the point of that is, is as I lost weight, Dr. Sadiq just kept looking at me going, oh my God, you look so good. And you're going to hear that a lot in your life. Most of you, honestly, most of you who have MS or who get diagnosed with MS or have a friend or a family member, um, I call it the invisible illness, right? You can't see it. You cannot see it. So um, that makes it more challenging, right, Yadira? Yes, absolutely. And, right? and that's one of the, that's a perfect example. When you have a patient that says, I have this MS fatigue that prevents me from going to work or getting up and getting my kids ready for school. And a lot of people don't understand that because you can't see it. Yes. So yes. that's a, a great example. Absolutely. And it's a, it's a frustrating example as Absolutely. well, right, Yadira? Absolutely. It really is. It's right. very frustrating. Um, Yadira's talked about um, relationships. Um, I met a woman when I was getting my graduate degree um, who was young in her 20s and was diagnosed with MS. She did not share that with anyone except as I heard her and talked to her, I kind of had an inkling that she had MS. Just answers in classes, talking about the history of disease and so forth, just had a feeling. And one day, the director, the dean of my school said, would you be interested in connecting with someone who has recently been diagnosed with MS? And we talked, and it was her. And she was very clear. So I'm very, very forward, as you can hear. I'm on a radio show. I'm around the world right now owning my multiple sclerosis. That is my style. That is how I do things. I want to be a person to be an example. And I also think it takes a village to make a difference. But this young woman who had just recently gotten married, who was in marketing, who was working every day and also getting her graduate degree, so very busy, she said, please don't say anything to any of our peers. And you have to honor people. You really have to. You have to understand we all have a different journey and a different track. That's for any chronic condition. But we actually have uh, stayed in touch. In fact, she was very upset with what Yadira said. She said, we wanted to have a family. I don't know if I could have a family. Mm-hmm. And me being the nosy Nelly that I am, I had been at the IMSMP for a long enough while to know that when you get pregnant, actually your MS symptoms go away for that period of time. For those those months, it goes away. Doesn't mean it's disappeared, but it means it goes away. Um, and we talked about that. And now she has two lovely little girls. So yes, if you're out there, yes, you will have a family. Um, in regards to finding a mate, finding a partner, um, she was married before she was diagnosed and she has an amazing husband and another one of my friends diagnosed in 1983, who you guys met, Lori, talking about MS that she's had since 1983. It's a long, long time. She's in her 60s now. Um And she's doing great. She has two kids and her husband was amazing about her MS. I hope and I pray that anyone out there has a partner who is supportive and can understand. It's it's very challenging. They should be in groups with Yadira. They should be in groups with social workers, with psychologists, with each other to 
talk about these things because it feels better when you have a chance to share. And definitely, I think it's important, right? The more you share, the more you don't feel as alone, right? Absolutely. And, and especially when I notice in the groups, um, it does, it's something about being around people that have maybe, uh, you know, everyone's MS is different. I, I get that. But um, it's something about having the same disease and just talking with people that understand, um, you know, understanding, you know, like, did you have this symptom or what happened when you tried this treatment? There's something about, getting that information from a person that has the condition, then talking to your doctor. There's something about that that helps, I think. And I've seen it over and over again, that it's, it definitely helps. That real life experience. Absolutely. Yes, because we're, we're living it. And, you know, I tut 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 because I was over at, um, well, it used to be Roosevelt Hospital, but now it's uh, Mount Sinai West. Um, what was more challenging for me is there was just the National MS Society of New York. There wasn't a group yet. Um, he wasn't doing groups yet. It was just, you know, it, it his um, MS center had just been beginning at the uh, at the hospital, and he was the director of neurology for the hospital. So he was a busy guy. Um, I'm sort of jealous that people get to have Yadira or somebody else help lead them through. In fact, Yadira and I have talked about, um, and also I've talked to uh, a neuropsychologist at NYU Langone, who I see there. Yes, I have two psychologists. Two neurologists. One is for psychiatry, because sometimes we get things like depression, anxiety, and I needed more help there. And uh, Dr. Sadiq hasn't found the perfect person yet to replace the person that was there um, at the IMSMP center. So I see him for helping me with that because I don't think I could have gotten through graduate school if I didn't have coping skills and worked with um, an OT over there. Now there's an OT at IMSMP, but then there was not. And developed skills. This is all about developing skills and tools and strategies, right, Yadira? It's strategies to help you. So I'm hoping, and I cheerlead a lot for all of us, um, why isn't there a group for those of us who have had it for a long time? And I've mentioned it to the Rusk Institute over at NYU, and I've nudged um, them over there. And I'm going to keep nudging for all of you, because I think the more we see other centers and MS practices and so forth set up things that are working for patients, others take things on. And that's what we want. Some of you are in rural situations where you're farther away. Um, I think the pandemic helped us a lot, Yadira, with yeah. going online, right? We had the ability to communicate, getting online and seeing each other, and, right? And that was really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are coping tools. I said to Dr. Sadiq when I started, um, I will never get married. I will not put a partner. I would never put somebody else through this. And I love that he looked at me and sort of said, who are you to tell you who should love you? Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Mm-hmm. How am I? I'm so fortunate that I had a doctor who could genuinely say that to me and just go, who are you? Why, why do you think that you have the right to tell, tell us that? And that was really, really important for me. By the way, I'm married two years now, so don't think that you may not find someone. Um, when you let down your barriers, when you understand what's going on with you, when you find someone who actually understands and is willing and loves you enough that they would rather be with you than without you. 
um, even with your craziness. And you'll end up taking that person to see the doctor on your yearly or every six month appointments because they can help remember things that you may have forgotten. And my husband, Richard, is very good at that. I'll always say, you better say the things that I never want to talk about because I'm not a big, I'm not a big complainer. I just, um, I don't talk about my symptoms and stuff. I just go through them. Um, that's just my style. And, but I share that I have it, you know, I have to get on buses and, and things like that. And so how many of us have to get on a bus and maybe have a service dog or um, a cane? Maybe not just, and people, you sit at the front of the bus because I have bat balance issues. And there are people that say, you should move to the back of the bus. And it's just like, so I had to come with an answer, you guys. So here's my answer. When people challenge me here in New York City, I will look at the person and I will say, do I know you? <laughs> and they sort of get a perplexed look on their face, right? You're out of it. <laughs> I mean, and and then I say, so we've never met. And they'll sort of look at me and maybe get a little angry or maybe really look like, who's this crazy woman? And I'll say, so we've never met. And I'll say, so you would have no idea what condition I have that I would need to sit at the front of the bus. So you can ask, and I will say to them very clearly, because these are the laws that protect us in, in uh, disability, ADA, I will say, you may ask me what job my um, service dog has, and I will be more than happy to tell you. But other than that, if you if you want to continue this conversation, you need to step away from me mm-hmm. because it upsets me. Um, and that's the invisible illness part. OK, yeah. if you see me walking, especially after 12 o'clock, um, you're going to see a little bit of a limp. Um, people will ask me, oh, did I have ankle surgery? Did I have foot surgery? Did I have knee surgery? No. And then I'll tell them I have MS. And some of them are like, oh, I'm sorry. Yadira, what is that I'm sorry about? Is that just human? Is that a human reaction? Is just, what does that mean? That's just saying, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to say. <laughs> is that is that what it is? Is it I embarrassment? It is. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah. Because I'm always flummoxed by that. It's like, I'm sorry for what? Don't be, I always say, don't be sorry. Right. I look at my, I say, I'm fine. I really am fine. But thank you for caring. Um, I really am fine. And we, that's the part that when we started this conversation, I said to you, I really want you guys to own your illness. It's okay. It's yours. It's your journey. And remember, with MS, and I'm sure the two of you are asked this all the time, along with Dr. Steak and Dr. Williams and the other two, we will not be able to cure MS until we have a cause for MS that comes with a package. So there's a big, big white lab at Dr. Sadiq's offices, and they are working on the cure. But while they're working on ways to help cure and slow down MS and to, I don't know, fix MS to fix what's going on, they're also looking for the cause. Because if we don't know what the cause of something is, how do we how do we cure it? You know, these are big question marks. Um, I hope you're in the hands of good doctors, and there are many, many good doctors around the world, okay? But find the one that works for you. You heard me say, the first one I I saw, I didn't stay with her. She is terrific. She now is actually the director of the MS Center for Neurology at another hospital here in New York. And so that became her cause. Um, So it's changed for her and how she answers people. And I actually met her one day when I had to do an infusion at their center nearer to my home. So 
but you never know. It's important to understand you need to know what that is. Um, Dr. Bates is the newest player in my 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 hand of, of, of tools. And I started nutrition a long time ago. I was very fortunate to actually be directed to a center for integrative medicine. And I worked with a nutritionist. And different than a dietitian, as I talked about, I prefer a nutritionist. It's just a different style, uh, a little more, um, yeah, a little more woo, which is okay with me. Um, and I think that there are things that we can do, Dr. Bates, that make a difference in nutrition, first of all. And then we can talk about supplements because, you know, it's always like, well, what should I take? What shouldn't I take? What do you think has, has really changed and why your role at the MS Center has been so important in nutrition? Well, I think that what we are trying to provide here is optimal care, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to steal an expression from one of my patients because I love it. He said to me, look, I'm going to do anything I can. I want to meet the cure halfway. And oh, I, I love that. Isn't that great? Yay! So that I want to meet the cure halfway. Yeah, I, wa- I want to meet the cure halfway. And I think that's a lot of what the wellness piece of this is about. What's What are the parts you can do? What are the parts of your life you can clean up so you're not causing damage as we're trying to cause, as we're trying to, you know, add medicines or even therapies of the future, like stem cells that help support repair. So nutrition is a really big piece of that. And that's coming from the perspective of not adding damage to the situation, but also putting in the building blocks for repair. And diet, the best diet for every person looks a little bit unique because we're not all the same in terms of our food tolerances and our food preferences and our culture. Um, So that all is unique, but there certainly are ways that we can work with nutrition to help reduce neuroinflammation, um, to help reduce the aggravation of the immune system. And in those ways, we help the brain. Yeah. And when she's saying this, you... All of you have heard me say, going to darker greens, that was like one of the first things I did, not lighter greens. You know, I know many of us like the crunch and the ease of iceberg lettuce, but it has no value, (laughs) no value. It's very crunchy, but it has no value. And when we say that, that means what's in there. You know, we've gotten also very, very... um, there's been such an extension of what a salad looks like, right? I mean, it used to be lettuce, right? I mean, romaine lettuce. I love romaine lettuce. And then there's, you know, mescaline greens. And then there's, oh, spinach. But now we have kale and we put Swiss chard into salads. And there's so many darker greens that can help us keep down the inflammation. That's what we're trying to do, guys. With our nutrition, a big part is to help the inflammation in our bodies stay less and darker greens is definitely a big help. For me, it was also, I found um, when I read the Swank diet, which is over what, 50 years old now at this point? Probably, yeah. Yeah, the Swank diet was the beginning of trying to figure out, Dr. Swank was looking at MS and he felt that red meats and processed sugar, white sugar was really detrimental to the nervous system. And I worked with my nutritionist and I gave those up a lot. I really did. I, I, it's made a difference because my hands hurt. So the patient that said to Dr. Bates, I want to meet the cure halfway is absolutely right. I'm going to steal that because I am meeting, I am meeting the cure halfway. And that's really helpful to know that 
you can be an active role in your condition. And take that on because you will feel better. You will because you'll have more um, urgency to clean some things up. And it's important to do that, to really think. We've come a long way. Yes. Is the Mediterranean diet a really good diet? Absolutely. If we had to choose one, I think that many of you would say, right? I would think you would would say that is probably one of the best um, is the Mediterranean diet. I think it makes a big difference um, because it's so balanced. And yes, you can have a glass of red wine and the world won't end. And (laughs) right. And olive oil and avocado. And it's important to understand. The other part of this, which I wanted Dr. Bates to talk about is we have all these supplements and the two rules that I was told when I saw Dr. Sadiq at the beginning, and I was working with the nutritionist, was um, no echinacea, no golden seal, and no zinc. Mm-hmm. No zinc lozenges if your throat hurts. Explain to people what it means when you're looking at supplements, when you're looking at minerals and vitamins and herbs and saying, why not echinacea? Why not St. John's wort? What do they do? And why is it good to have a naturopath or someone who is really good with um, Chinese medicine talk about this? And I know you are too. Naturopaths are amazing. And um, Dr. Bates is the first naturopath I've met. I knew nutritionists, but I did not know naturopaths. So I was fumbling around with, uh, with, um, supplements and, and, and so forth with a great, um, a great pharmacist who was more, more, who just was a little better in knowing why Dr. Sadiq was saying that to me. What do you feel? How do you, how do you introduce that to people in regards to that? Yeah. Well, so as naturopathic doctors, we, we kind of have a foot in both worlds of both, um, conventional medicine and then integrative or functional or complementary medicine. So I think as naturopathic doctors, we're looking at how do you use all of these tools together. And um, when we're thinking about MS, the medications for MS really are about calming an overactive immune response, right? That's the way most of these things work is shutting down an immune response where the immune cells are attacking the wrong things ourselves instead of foreign invaders. So one of the things we want to be careful of supplement-wise is many supplements are immune stimulants. They rev up the immune system so those immune cells are more active and go after things that our body thinks are pathogens. Mm. The problem for people with autoimmune diseases is some signals have gotten crossed. And so the immune system is going after self. So we don't want it to go after self with any more vigor. We really want to balance the immune system out and calm it down. And that's why no echinacea. And that's why we want to be careful with doses of zinc. Those two are great examples of things that are immune stimulants. It's, and it's important also to understand that um, our vitamin D levels are normally lower than others. And it's not just because we're not we're out in the sun and getting as much sun, because most people actually need more vitamin D today. You know, right. it, it's just yeah. sort of a standard, right? Um, but figuring out what that amount is. I struggled with that for years and I had to go on a dosage that's really high. Yeah. And also Dr. Bates and I watched it go too high. And when it goes too high, this is why it's important to work with someone in regards to this. Yeah. We had to pull it off because it becomes toxic in the body. Right. So there's a happy medium. That is why it's a partnership to, to find that place. Uh, sometimes our B vitamin levels need to be looked at to see what's going on um, 
that's helpful. Those of us who have trouble sleeping, tryptophan has been great for me. Taking some tryptophan instead of sleeping pills, instead of having to to turn to um, you know Tylenol PM or something like that, um, or something stronger um, to sleep, we can use supplements like tryptophan, which is great. Um, things for a while because we sometimes have brain fog. I was put on uh, something called Dopa Boost for a while. And it's not dopamine as dopamine is because, by the way, I just learned a new thing, which was kind of cool. Wellbutrin, which is for anxiety and depression, has dopamine in it. I didn't know that. I mean, like, why would I know that? Um, And what you're doing is you're helping the system during the day. The dopamine helps us through those neurofatigue moments and um, helps us keep keep us up. You know, location, yeah. Right. And you don't take it forever. I did not take Dopa Boost forever. But when we found that I had imbalance through testing, and some of that testing is done through naturopath, what did we send out? Did we send out spit for that one? I can't remember. But it's not, yeah. I, is it? Is it? it might have been urine. It might have been a urine test. It may have been urine test. Okay. Yeah. So it could have been urine test um, to see what's going on because it's important if I can help it with a supplement and have someone monitor it for me to see how I'm doing, not forever, because I don't want to take it forever, um, to figure that out with me. And that's the help with having this team of complementary, integrative, functional medicine with you. Um, Right? And as a naturopathic doctor, we're not, we're not really trying to address disease as much as imbalances in any individual person. So you're trying to listen to all of those, all of those symptoms that somebody's having and try to figure out how you can get closer to the root cause to try to correct imbalances. So I think your example of feeling fatigued and your brain not working as well and trying to correct a dopamine imbalance is a great, that's a great example example of something that was unique to you, but you needed that in order to function better. Absolutely. And when you when you learn that, talking about brain fog, ladies, what we've learned is that with this pandemic, with COVID, doctors now and people in the healthcare teams are learning that brain fog is real. I mean, that, right? They questioned that like, well, we don't have enough empirical evidence. We don't believe it's really real. We think it may be something that people make up. No, we are having lots of people come out of COVID and long-term COVID sometimes has brain fog, sometimes has that. You just feel foggy. You well, know? There, yeah, there are right? only so many ways your brain can communicate with you that it's unwell, that, it, that it's experiencing some neuroinflammation or that there are neurotransmitters out of balance. And so brain fog, anxiety, depression, and fatigue are some of the main symptoms that I see mm-hmm. that really, we think of them sometimes as psychological symptoms, but they're really symptoms of a brain that's not functioning functioning optimally. Mm-hmm. So those are really important symptoms to pay attention to. And the lifestyle strategies help quite a bit with those. And and then and that's really important. You know, nobody wants to feel like they're underneath a cloud all the time. Um, but I'm glad in a, in a in a weird way um, that there is that they're looking at long term effects of having the neurosystem affected. 
and it's important. It, it will affect a lot of different conditions. So hopefully people who do not have specifically MS, but have some other neurological condition can take something away from this conversation that partnering with others in seeing what's going on is really important. Yeah, COVID is shining a light on that, that people are paying attention to. And I think ultimately that will be helpful for people. Absolutely. And, you know, MS is very, it's very tricky. You know, it's a, but I've seen so many different versions of MS. And Yadira, I know that I'm going to ask you this because there are probably many people who get very frightened and very concerned and very anxious when they come to the doctor's office or are out and see someone in a wheelchair or with a cane with real walking challenges. What, how do, how do we talk about that in regards to if somebody is not have those symptoms, they have other symptoms and how do you how do you keep your head on straight in regards to right? Uh, you know, some of us may never end up mm-hmm. with a walker or a wheelchair ever. Right. We may never end up prone in a bed. And I pray to God that that is the journey for most of us. Honestly, I really do. Um, but to understand their journey is also valuable for me to understand because we need to to see that disease comes in different progressions, right? So how long we we talk about the different phases, Yadira. We have relapsing, remitting, mm-hmm. secondary, and primary. Mm-hmm. Is there a point where relapsing, remitting after a number of years just turns into secondary because you've had it so long? Right. I mean, listen, sometimes it does. What I always tell patients um, when they see, you know, when they see someone that has some disabilities, you have to always remember that MS, it is one disease, but it's different for everyone. And, and it changes while you have this, you know, you can be, most of our patients are doing great, you know, and sometimes why do some patients after, you know, 15 years, maybe something happens where they come back again. So a lot of it is, um, it is one disease, but it's different. Um, And I think that's something that we have to remember with MS. It's um and it, and and again like I said earlier, it's different now in 2023 than when I first started here in 2004. Isn't um, that amazing? Yeah, it's amazing. I remember. Yeah, I remember starting here and we would have patients in the hospital hospitalized for steroids. Isn't that wild? Yes. Yeah, there was nothing else. You and, know, and, and now we don't even go to the hospital anymore. <laughs> and with steroids, I remember the first time, you know, I thank God Dr. Zeke and I are sympathetic on this. When I had to go on steroids for five days and it was an infusion, it wasn't a pill. A lot of it now is pill. Um, I, he, I had to do infusions for five days and he was like, you really, you should be in the hospital. And I looked at him, I said, no, I'm not. It's fashion week. I have to be at the shows. And we were concerned. Both of us were concerned because, um, taking steroids leads at times, not for everyone, mania and a short, short temper. Um, and he was concerned about that in regards to being in the show. That's again, where a role of the person with the condition plays. I had to check in with him every day. That was our deal. Cause he was like, I want you in the hospital. I was like, nope, I have fashion shows to go to here in New York. That is my work. And I remember, um, at moments because it's very crowded at fashion shows, um, 
having to remind myself that I was on steroids and say, this is not what, you know, you are not manic. You are not this. This is the medicine. So just pull back, wait, and take care of this because I didn't want to end up in the hospital. I'm glad to hear that now steroids has changed so much. We have so many more medications now. When I started, honestly, there were the ABC drugs. Mm-hmm. There was Avonex, there was Betaseron, and there was Copaxin. That's what we had. And now there's a myriad of oral and infusion and shots done at home. I'm glad because what they're trying to do with the medications is to um, hold it in position. Wherever you are, they're trying to hold Mm -hmm. it in position, right? MS has been a a real success story in terms of drug development because we now have so many options. But all of the drugs that are available are designed to stop additional damage from happening. And so that's where we still need new therapies that help with repair Mm -hmm. after that damage has happened. And right now, one of the best tools we have for that is a healthy body because a healthy body helps to create repair. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, of course, we hope that stem cells will offer some of that in the future. But the medicines that we have now are are really very advanced Mm -hmm. stopping the disease. And and stopping it in its tracks, really holding it in position. That's what I would say. It's just holding it in position. And that's why right now, um, am I in relapse and remitting? Well, if we look at like the the big clinical books, I actually, because it's 22 years for me, am in secondary. I, you know, and I asked the doctors why, why secondary? Cause I don't think I have anything underneath secondary. They said, there's a point where after a certain amount of time, we just call it that it doesn't mean that, you know, it takes on all of the um, symptoms, all of the uh, conditions. And so language is, language is important, right? And Dr. Bates also, we talk about physical activity, exercise. I don't like that word. I always use physical activity. You know that. But why is that so important helping the body in regards to a neurological condition? So exercise is one of the best ways to create opportunities for neuroplasticity. And so that is the formation of new pathways through through the nervous system so that our bodies can keep doing things and our brains really can keep functioning and even growing in our adult years. So exercise is one of the best ways um, to create neuroplasticity. And the other thing that helps create neuroplasticity is just um, learning new things, doing things you're bad at, doing novel activities. All of those things are really important for brain health. So here's a great opportunity, guys. For friends who want to go bowling and you really suck at it, just go bowling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doing things you're bad at is actually a really key activity for brain health. We don't like to do it as adults. We hate doing things we're bad at, but it's really important. Fact, cool. Yeah. Don't go to the US Open thinking you're going to play, but you can go try tennis again to mm-hmm. help neuroplasticity. The brain is malleable. And I love that is something new in the past 20 years that we right. have seen, right? Yeah. Um, it, it has the ability even with a chronic condition that is neurological, it will be helped with neuroplasticity and learning new things. When I went to graduate school, that was like a huge lesson for my brain to have to work in a space that was under executive functioning skills. I had to learn how to not be as impulsive as I was in answering in a class, to not think that um, the paper was done or I had the answer, but to continue to work on it and develop things. Um, executive functioning skills. I was an actor at the beginning of my careers when I got out of 
college. And I had a superb memory, superb. If I can remember Shakespeare and a bunch of musicals and stuff like that, I had incredible memory. Um, I think that, and maybe you, dear, you can talk about this, what has changed with my memory um, that I needed help from the psychiatrist, and that's why we went that way, was I, and when I say I, I think a lot of people can empathize with this and, and, and feel the same as I had to study in a different way than I did before. And that's where you need help in figuring out how to do things like taking a colored ruler or a piece of paper and putting it underneath while you're reading an article or a book to help you keep your place and not jump forward. Um, Because that impulsiveness is, oh, yeah, I got it. No, you may not have got it yet. Um, Give yourself time. Many of us in MS, we're not great at taking short classes that are like seven or eight weeks. We're better at a full term of 14, 15 weeks because we need more time to process. Um, I haven't lost any of my old stuff at all. Um, Anything that's in there is in there. And it's the same now with even new information. Um, I'm still sort of processing what I learned in graduate school and and getting those aha moments because it's taken me that long to figure out exactly how that works, exactly what that is. Um, Dear, I'm curious also, you guys have also heard them talk about stem cells and regeneration. I'm going to have another person, a doctor, come on and talk about that with MS. So please don't think we're just, you know, riding over it. I think, though, that at that point, I want you to understand stem cells because lots of patient clients I work with um, as a patient advocate ask about that. Like, why can't I just go do those stem cells, uh, stem cell regeneration that's out there? Well, I want you to speak to your doctor, your neurologist, because they're your first and foremost partner and make sure it's the right kind of stem cell regeneration. Okay. Cause there's different things going on for different conditions. Um, and that's important. I also think that where we, yeah, where we are today is different. I think it is. And that's where the medical side will talk to that. But Idira, what also happens in regards to you dealing with people who are in work? How is it for people in work? What can, what can they look to or um, use for tools or strategies in regards to MS? Absolutely. I mean, now with, I mean, again, bringing up COVID, I think COVID, um, as bad as it was, and you know, still is sometimes. Um, it's helped a lot with work, work settings, and for a lot of our patients um, that were commuting to work, and maybe it was difficult for them to go to work every day. Now they have a hybrid schedule. Um, but prior to COVID, um, we always, I always, when I met with a patient, I would ask, you know, what would make your daily life easier? And sometimes, you know, a lot of employers do do um, accommodations, and that can help if it's, you know, maybe you're it's difficult for a patient to be there at 7 a.m. Maybe they have to start at 9.30 a.m. and work a full, full-time job. Um, if that helps, uh, most employers will accommodate if, if, if possible. So I think it's always good to, um, I always go towards accommodations at work or if there's some sort of equipment that you may need. Um, our OT here has helped a lot of our patients as well. Um, so there's so much you can, you can do, but I always suggest, you know, talking to someone about it. If it's, 
a social worker, a physical therapist, or an occupational therapist, I think that's the key, key thing to, I mean, you want to keep your life to remain the same. You want it to be the same. You want to work, you want to have your career. I think that's, you know, just look for the tools to get, to help you through it every day. Yeah, it's, it's important. And all of these people, when I, I will, I will nudge the OT and PT person, Dr. Cantor, I know very well, because I would like people to hear about this for neurological conditions. I would like you to understand how we can help ourselves. That's what this is about. It's an opportunity to have a conversation about how we can improve our lives living with a chronic condition. And I've seen it so well done by my my friend who I stood up in her wedding. I was friends since childhood. Diagnosed in 1983. It's a long time ago. I mean, we didn't have all of those drugs. It wasn't until the 1990s we had ABC drugs. Yet my friend Lori is doing amazingly. She committed Dr. Bates to swimming. She mm. swims pretty much every day, at least five days a week. She's in the pool. Okay. And for a lot of MS patients, the uh, physical therapist will say swimming is great because it removes the weight of the body. And so you're able to move your joints easier because you're floating in space. And you don't overheat with swimming, which is another bonus. Right. And that's another thing. Overheating is another conversation that many of us have. And how do you help yourself with that? Is there anything else that the two of you feel um, I've missed for that first conversation we're having? Because we're going to revisit things over <laughs> the time that I'm I'm doing this radio show for chronic conditions. But anything that you guys think that's important for our um, listeners to know as they're on a journey? I would say... Um... Sometimes we think about MS either being in the the driver's seat, the passenger seat, the back seat, or the trunk of your car, right? Hmm. But when it's in the driver's seat, it's taking control. It's the main thing you think about every day, whether that's because of disability or or maybe just because you've been newly diagnosed and the stress of the diagnosis is so much that it's it's driving your life. So we do a lot to move that that disease situation further and further back, and what we we really want, you know, maybe someday we can kick it out of the car altogether. <laughs> but, if, but if you can live with it in the trunk, that's really the goal, right? That the disease is quiet, that it's not taking over your thoughts every day, and that, that you can live with it peacefully and quietly. And that's really what we aim to achieve. And that's usually what we that's what we manage to do. I, I say, Michelle, I might uh, being here this all this time, I feel like be your own advocate. I always say, you know, we, I, this is a great place where we work here, but you always have to be your own advocate and take control of things that you're able to control. Like patients love to see Dr. Bates because it's, she's giving them something that they have control over. Right. You know, they can control their diet. They can control their habits, you know, whatever it is, they, you're able to control that. And I think that is so helpful that, you know, with this disease, you know, you, you're having a doctor telling you what to take or change. I think, you know, when you see someone like Dr. Bates, so when you see social work, you know, you're helping yourself to develop those tools that you need throughout your journey with MS. That's good advice. That's good advice. And what is your feeling in regards to having talk therapy mm. in regards to groups or uh, yeah. solely for MS patients? Every, you know, everyone is different. I think there's some patients that I see that want to be in a group as soon as they get diagnosed. They're like, give me a group. You know, I want to start tomorrow. 
And then you have patients that don't want that and just want to maybe see someone one-on-one just for a little bit, just to kind of a little bit of some of it is, you know, some of it is supportive counseling and some of it is like psychoeducational as well. Just learning, like, you know, learning to know your body now, learning to know what a symptom is, what what is not a symptom. Um, So I think everyone's different. There's no right or wrong, but I think um, my experience, I think you have to see what you're, what you're into, if it's going to be seeing someone or in a group, whatever works, I say, do it. And it's the talk therapy, talking things out in a group mm-hmm. or solely by yourself, solely by, you know, with right. a therapist or a, a, a psychologist, psychiatrist, yeah. whatever, mm-hmm. helps you figure those things out, Yeah, you, you know, because it is scary. I think any chronic condition pretty much is scary, especially at the beginning. Absolutely. And, and my two cents there is um, stress management is key. Our bodies don't heal when we are in a sympathetic state, when we're in a stress state, when we're in a fight or flight state. So anything we can do to manage our stress response, whether it's talk therapy, mindfulness, meditation, all of those tools, once we settle down that stress response, that's when our bodies have the opportunity to heal. So it's really important, not only from the mental mental aspect, but the physical one as well. I think so. And, you know, also understand, we also, Dr. Bates is someone to trust as a naturopath at that level in regards to looking at supplements and looking at minerals and looking at vitamins, because she knows how those work within the system. The question I'm always asked, Dr. Bates, is are some brands, are some better than others? How do I know whether it's A, working and B, if I've chosen the right one or if I'm taking the right amount? So I think to really answer that question, you you should work with somebody knowledgeable because it does need monitoring. You brought up vitamin D. That's a fat soluble vitamin. You don't want to be too low, but it's toxic if it's too high. You need to have your levels checked. Mm -hmm. Uh, Supplements come in all different qualities, um, most of which I wouldn't particularly want to take unless they were the higher end brands. Um, And I will say taking 100 supplements is not going to be the answer, right? It's really more about figuring out an individual person's imbalances and trying to correct for those things to bring the body back into balance. It's not taking every every supplement you see advertised on the internet. And you don't need all the supplements. Remember, we talked about food. Dr. Bates talked about eating in a way that supports your body, that helps keep down inflammation, that helps us have better memory, that helps us um, be able to move easier, that helps the joints. These are things that we can do with food. I love love that there's the phrase food is medicine food is medicine and it can help us yeah. and you know when she's when we're talking about supplements i'm always asked that too and i always defer i'll defer them to people like you because you know as a coach that's not my job ethically i'm going to stay in my corner of the universe but find people like yadira find people like dr bates to be able to share their expertise um When we're talking about what's out there all the time, we're not knocking GNC, but we're also looking towards, as we call, as they're called, white labs. That means that the laboratories that are developing the supplements and vitamins and minerals are at such a high level that they're they're much purer, they're much cleaner for the system. But that means finding someone like Dr. Bates or my pharmacist here, who's just very knowledgeable. He likes to be called an apothecary because he's looking at things. 
in uh, in an old time way. And you know, you look for things like Thorn. You look for things like Jero. Um, you look for things like Now, because we know they know these experts know that they can trust them, and that's important. And no, we're not bad mouthing GNC. I'm not saying that, but you know, or Centrum. But we're looking, especially for people with chronic conditions, the purest and the best way to use those. And I think what she said is very important. Also, Dr. Bates, when I met with you last, you were like, what can we pull you off of? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I take a slew of things. And it's important to see, do I need this? Do I need that? Um, Depends on your body, you know, and it's important to look. We went to, instead of like, you know, being really specific with B12 or B6, I take a B complex now and that's what I take. And I, and that makes it easier for me. Um, And those are things to make it easier for you out there listening to understand. Is it a little more expensive? Well, yes, but I think having a chronic condition is expensive. So if we can start with nutrition and start to look at our food, first as food is medicine. I think that's a good place to start there. And what, right. As far as food goes, I will say there, there are a million diets out there that are supposed to be for MS and they actually all conflict with each other quite a bit, which I think (laughs) a lot of confusion for, for people trying to navigate it. But the things that they all have in common are avoid food additives, avoid the artificial things in food, reduce sugar, reduce packaged foods, and make sure the fats you're eating are really good quality. Mm-hmm. Those are those are great starting points. Those are terrific starting points. And I think that's a lot. You know, there's the paleo diet. There's all those things. I always go back to the Mediterranean diet. It's simple. It's, you know, it makes more sense to me. And we're not talking about when you hear the word diet, that isn't about you losing weight, folks. Diet is what you eat every day. That is what is in your food plan. <laughs> what is in your schedule of what you eat? you know, and look to that and, and learn from it. And if you can partner with someone, even if you take a class, even if you just do this once, because it's, it's a little expensive. If you have the opportunity to meet with a naturopath, do it. If you have the opportunity to meet with a nutritionist, terrific. We're seeing more and more that, uh, Health insurance is picking these things up to start to pay for things. We see health and wellness coaches um, for some insurances being allowed. And, you know, for naturopaths, we want to see more of that because I think more ownership is important. Yadira, is there anything else that, you know, we could share that you could share um, to leave people with to think about? Uh, You know, I was thinking about um, with MS, a lot of patients always say when they ask me, you know, how am I going to accept this condition? And I always tell them, you know what? I don't like the word accept. I I just don't like it. How about we say, how are you going to digest this? And when you digest it, you know, when you finally digest it, it's going to sit there. When it's sitting there, that's where you're going to grab all of your tools that you've learned, you know, tools of, you know, how do I decrease my anxiety? How I decrease my stress? And you're going to have to work with these tools throughout your your journey with this disease. Um, also, you know, re, um, aside from just uh, how to deal with your stress and, and your anxiety or depression or fatigue, you know, how do I take control over my body? And 
that's with food or exercise. So that's what I always, you know, I think that's what I've taken away being here all these years. I, I've never liked the word accepting. Um, that's something that's just, I just don't like to, to say it, or I don't want patients to think I have to get to that point to be okay. You think for both of you, it's more about understanding, to understand that I have a chronic condition and I understand that there are things that I can do and that I'm aware, not that I accept, I, you know, I don't, I have a mess. As I always say, I have a mess, but I'm not a mess. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll put it a little bit differently. Um, you know, when we're faced with a stressor, typically we talk about the fight or flight response. But when we're talking about autoimmune diseases, you shouldn't keep fighting harder, right? Don't don't fight harder against yourself. You'll stress yourself out. <laughs> you, can't, you can't flee. It's your own body. You can't run away from yourself. So the alternative response to that is tend and befriend. And I think that's what we're really working toward is how do we tend and befriend our bodies, our health, our own lives and our own lives journeys, which aren't always smooth, but how do we tend to befriend ourselves as we go through this? I think that's a great place to stop for today. And I want to thank these two women who really have been very generous and giving their time. And even though this has been about MS as a chronic condition, it's also for those with neurological conditions and other things going on, because we're talking about looking at our nutrition, looking at uh, our mindset and learning more about ourselves to be able to own and grasp and live with and not live for this condition. Just live with it. And it should be in tandem. You're the person in charge. So if you're the person in charge, take ownership and find people who can help you be that person sitting next to you. Sorry about the car, but sitting next to you, helping you navigate because that's what we're looking for. So I thank you both. And um, it's been a pleasure to have such knowledgeable ladies to share with you. And I, I feel very, very grateful. Thank you, Adira. Thank you, Dr. Bates. Thank you. Thank you. Great talking with you.